We're in Kings 2, chapter 23, and King Yoshiao here is purging Judea of idol worship, and we're going with him step by step, verse by verse. As he does this, a lot of paganism certainly has accumulated over the years in Judea, and we see how Yoshiao is taking care of the situation. And it says in verse 11, that's where we got up to, which means he abolished the horses or he stopped the horses or he took away the horses. Which horses? That the kings of Judea had dedicated to the sun. From the entrance of the temple, until the chamber of Natan Melech the Saris, he was in the outskirts or in the suburbs. And he burnt these sun chariots with fire. So King Yoshiao, he stops the horses. He abolishes them. He doesn't burn the horses, doesn't kill the horses, but he stops this practice. And he does burn the sun chariots. Now, what is this ritual of sun worship? And it doesn't say which kings were involved in it. It just says the kings of Judea dedicated horses to this. Obviously, we're talking about Menashe and Ammon, who were described as worshiping the hosts of the heaven. So here we have it. They were involved in this sun worship. And we see from the verses, they raced these horses and chariots towards the sun as the sun was rising in the morning. They're racing towards the, the zricha, towards the sunrise. And Yoshiao burns these chariots. And that is the, the halacha concerning this kind of idol worship or any kind of idol worship. Now it says in the verse that these chariots were located from the entrance of the temple until the chamber of Natan Melech, the eunuch, who was on the outskirts. So we see here that there's a maslul they're following, uh, a path they took. The chariots departed from the temple entrance towards the chamber of Natan Melech, who was at the Parvarim, at the outskirts. So the movement of these chariots eastward from the temple symbolized the motion of the sun. This was a known Assyrian ritual. And we know Menashe uh, subjugated himself to Assyria. So it makes sense that he would be adopting this particular sun ritual. And we know from Assyrian findings and artifacts that these chariots, they were like a portable temple. And they would tie four horses to it. And it's probably also the source of the Greek and Roman worship of the sun god Helios, who rides this chariot in the sky. You know, the sun god, uh, something sometimes called the Titan, he would drive his chariot daily from east to west across the sky, sailing all around the northerly stream of the ocean every night. Here, you got the same thing here. It goes back to this Assyrian worship of the sun through these chariots. Anyway, these kings of Judea had special designated stables for these horses. And the stables were near the temple entrance, as the verse says. And they would depart from these stables towards this guy named Natan Melech, who was obviously a high-ranking officer responsible for the Parvarim of Jerusalem. Now today, Parvarim is the Hebrew word for suburbs. Here it's translated as the outskirts of the city. But what's interesting is that on this word parvarim, Rashi writes in his commentary, I don't know what this means. That's what he writes. He sees the words parvarim, lo yodati maze, he says. And that shows Rashi's humility. He's not afraid to say, I don't know. You know, most people think they have to show they know everything and they'll make something up. So here we learn from our sages that it's okay to say, I don't know the answer. No shame in that. Okay, let's go on to verse 12. Ve'et? And the altars, 
Asher al gag aliyat achaz. They were on the roof of Achaz's upper chamber. Asher asum al cheyuda that the kings of Judea had made at mizbachot asher asam menashe b'shtei chatzot beit Hashem and also the altars that Menashe had made in the two courts of the temple. Natatz amelech the king demolished them. Ve'yaratz misham and he ran from there. Ve'yaratz usually means ran, but we'll see another possible interpretation. He ran from there. Ve'shlichet afaram el nachal kidron. And he threw their dust into the Kidron Valley. Okay, there's a lot of pagan purging going on in this verse. First regarding Achaz. And we have to remember all this uh, paganism that's going on. It's not just Menashe and Ammon. We see this stuff left over, even, even from King Achaz, who preceded Chizkiyahu. That's a long time ago. And it says, asher achaz. That the altars that were on the roof of Achaz's upper chamber, what's that all about? Well, there's a lot of opinions what's being spoken here. The altars that were on the roof of Achaz's upper chamber, according to the Datsofrim, these are simply Bamot, altars that Achaz placed on his rooftop. And we know that private altars, Bamot, were often uh, erected on rooftops or in people's backyards. That's the altars that is being spoken of. But some relate this to what we saw in chapter 20, verse 11. Remember Achaz had that sundial he built? It was also called Ma'alot Achaz. So you have a similar word, Aliyah Achaz, Ma'alot Achaz. The steps of Achaz it was called because it was a, it was a shadow clock. You had these steps and from the steps and the shadow on the steps, you knew what time it was. So when it says in the verse, Aliyat Achaz, it's not talking about some upper chamber, but it has something to do with Ma'alot Achaz, that sundial shadow clock. So again, we're talking about some kind of sun worship maybe. You can ask, why didn't Chizkiyahu get rid of this? After all, after Achaz was the righteous King Chizkiyahu, you'd think he would get rid of it. Why is Yoshiyahu doing all the work here? Why is he gutting Judea of Achaz's idol worship? Well, most likely this Aliyat Achaz was probably just out of use already. It was already trashed. And it's just that Yoshiao gave the final you know, finishing touches and obliterated it completely. And the verse concludes there that the altars that Menashe had placed in the two courts of the temple, uh, the king demolished that too. So we saw that back in chapter 21, verse 5, that Menashe built altars for the entire host of the heaven in the two courts of the temple. And that's what Yoshiao here is removing the only question left for the commentators is which courtyards of the temple we're we speaking about. Was it the Ezrat Yisrael and Ezrat Kohanim? Or was it Ezrat Yisrael and Ezrat Nashim? Those are the courtyards in the temple. In any case, the verse continues and it says, Vayaratz Misham. And he ran hurriedly from there and he threw their dust, his shlichita from in Nachal Kidron, in the Kidron Valley. So what is Vayaratz? It's kind of funny that Yoshia was running around. He's so zealous. He's running hurriedly and throwing the dust into the valley. Notice how he's personally participating in this thing. He's leading the charge personally, setting an example. Now, Vayaratz doesn't always have to mean, and he ran. It could also mean something else. The root rats from the Shon Rotsets, which means to crush. The Rotsetzet which means to crush the skull. So the verse can be understood that he didn't run, but he crushed the altars, Ratzatzotam. And it could be both. It could be that he ran to crush them. And it probably depends on your translation, how they interpreted the word Vayaratz, either to crush or to run. Let's go on to verse 13. 
and the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right side of the Har HaMashchit, which literally means the Mount of the Destroyer. We'll see what that means later. Which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built. For the Ashtarot, which was the Shikut Sidonim, which was the abomination of the Tzidonites. The Lichmos, Shikut Moav, and he built also altars for the Chmosh, which was the abomination or the, the God of the Moavites. Here it's called the abomination of the Moavites. To, so we understand we're talking about a real pagan practice here. Ula Milkom. And it was also built for Milkom, which was the Toavat Bene Amon. That was the God and the abomination of the children of Ammon. What did Yoshial do with all that? Timaha Melech. He defiled it. Okay, that's a long verse and it needs some serious checking out. We're talking about the high places on the Mount of Corruption, Haram Ashchit. There's Bamot on Haram Ashchit. That's what he defiled. Now, what are we speaking about Haram Ashchit? Well, that's the Mount of Olives. That's what the commentators teach us. Harazetim, the Mount of Olives, is being termed here Haram Ashchit, the Mount of Corruption or the Mount of Destroying. So just like Holy Beit El, we saw earlier, had become a place of defilement, we're now calling the Mount of Olives, the Haram Ashchit, the Mount of Destruction or the Mount of Corruption. Why? Because it became a popular site for idol worship. Now, there's also a connection between Haram Ashchit and Haram Zetim. Haram Zetim literally means the Mount of Olives. And Zetim, you know, are olives. And Mashchit, which means corruption, also comes from the word Mishcha. And Mishcha is a word for ointment or oil. So it's kind of close to olives, right? Mishcha and Zaytim. So they nicknamed the Mount of Olives, Haramashchit, Harazaytim became Haramashchit. The Mount of Olives became the Mount of Corruption as like a play on words. But now we get to the interesting part. What was on this Mount of Olives? It says the altars which Solomon built for the Ashtarot, which is the abomination of the Tzidonim. And for Kmosh, he built for Kmosh, the abomination of Moab. That was the god of Moab, Kmosh. And Milcom, which was another deity, that was the abomination of Ammon. That's attributed to Solomon building it. That's what King Yoshia was defiling here, all these pagan deities. So the obvious question is, how is this stuff still around from the days of Solomon? And before we go on, we have to clarify. We know from our earlier lessons on Solomon, he did not actually build these altars to Kmosh and to Milcom, and to the Ashtarot. It's just that when he got older, as the verse says, his wives led him astray. And I think we saw that in chapter 12 of Kings, that's what it was. And it says he built these abominations, but we saw in the commentaries that he did not actually build them. But the problem is he did not protest. If you don't protest, you are attributed to that sin. That is as if you yourself committed the sin. So all that paganism in Judea at that time is attributed to him. And we really went deep into it. You can check out our Shior then in chapter 12 in Kings 1. Now the Datsofrim commentary says that we mentioned Solomon's name here, which is not very complimentary to Solomon. You know, poor Solomon, he's got to be mentioned here, you know, in such a bad context. But in order to understand the importance of, the, of protesting, that you have to moche, a Jew has to limchot, to protest and to chastise when he sees something is wrong. Solomon didn't do that. So we're like sticking him with this abomination in this verse again. And by the way, why does it say Solomon, the king of Israel? 
It's, that's what it says. Solomon, the king of Israel. Say Solomon, the king of Judea. But remember, during that time, there was no split in the kingdom. He was king over Israel. He was the king of Israel, not just Yehuda. It was only in the days of his son Rechavam that we had that split. And then we had the kingdom of Judea and the kingdom of Israel. But that's parenthetical. Let's go back to a point. What's interesting is that these Bamot, again, they're still around during the days of Solomon. How could they still be around? Why didn't the righteous kings who ruled after Solomon get rid of it? Well, the answer is similar to what we said about Ahaz's uh, Aliyat Gag and his sundial or his uh, altars. What, we, what did we say then? That it really wasn't being used anymore and it was mostly at a commission. There wasn't really much left of these abom- abominable altars, okay? That's why it says that he defiled them. Hutimautam. If they were really around, it would have said Vayinatetzotam. He destroyed them. But it says he defiled them. That means there wasn't really anything there. It was just like a geographical location where these altars stood on the Mount of Olives. And the Datsofrim said that these altars of Solomon's wives were embedded into the mountain. That's Chatzuvim Bahara Zeitim. So they're embedded into the mountain. There was nothing really to destroy, but Yoshiawa wanted to make a point of it. So he defiled it. Hutimautam. Because that's all he can do. Because we're not really talking about the actual objects that were still there from the days of Solomon. Verse 14, And he broke down the matzevot, the monuments, and he cut down the asherim, and he filled their place with the bones of human beings. So let's go look at this here. He broke the matzevot. That's the first time we mentioned matzevot. We've been talking a lot about bamot. But you also have something called a matzeva, which is like a huge rock. And people would offer sacrifices or prolibations on these huge stones. It's either a monument or a matseva. And these were employed many times by our forefathers. We have a matseva in the days of Yaakov. A couple of times he used a matseva, but eventually this practice became uh, prohibited. We're not allowed to use matsevas anymore. It's a verse in Deuteronomy, in the last verse in Deuteronomy chapter 16, you're not allowed to uh, erect a matseva. And that's because it became identified with Canaanite practices. The Canaanites used a lot of matsevot in their worship and Hashem didn't want us to be similar to them. So we're not allowed to have a matseva or to use one or to employ one in our worship. But obviously we see they're still around and Yoshiao, he matsevot, he smashed the matsevot cut down the Asherim, and then it says, and the places where the Metzevas were, and then where the Asherah was, he filled their place with human bones, Atzmot Adam. So Yoshiao is taking uh, bones of these idolaters from their graves, he's exhuming them from the grave, and he's filling the places of the monuments in the Asherim with bones of these dead idol, idol worshippers to disgrace them, to disgrace the area, to defile the area. So this is pretty wild. Imagine taking bones out of the ground and spreading it over the place of idol worship. We saw him previously dumping ashes of the Asherah onto grave sites, but this is like a, a whole new level to remove the bones from their graves. So like we said, Yoshiao, he means business. Verse 15, And also the altar that was in Beitel. The high place that Yeruvam, the son of Nevat, 
who had caused Israel to sin, what did he do with that? That altar as well. And the high place, Natatz, he destroyed it, he demolished it, and he burned the high place. And he pulverized it. So King Yoshiao is now destroying Avodah outside of his kingdom. Now we saw him go to Betel earlier to dump the ashes of the Asherah there. And now though, he's going out of his jurisdiction, out of Judea to Betel to destroy the idols over there. I guess they're still around from the days of Yeravam and Avat, or maybe there's traces of it still around, as we said earlier. And these aren't just regular idols. These are the altars of the Bamot of Yeravam ben Avat, the original sinner, the first king of the 10 tribes. He breaks down these altars and Bamot and he burns them. So we're going to see from here on that King Yoshiao is going to leave Judea. He's going to go to the Shomron and he is going to continue purging the entire country of any trace of idol worship. Stay tuned.